Welcome to Extra Credit, hosted by the Rutgers University Office of Summer and Winter Sessions. Listen to hear from students as they share their experiences at Rutgers and some tips on how to navigate a condensed semester. Also gain the perspective of professors and learn more about the courses they teach. Thanks for being here today. Uh, could you start by introducing yourself and just, you know, telling us um, a little bit about yourself? Hi, everyone. My name is Zania Morin, and I am an associate teaching professor in the Department of Plant Biology at Rutgers University. I also serve as the undergraduate program director for the Agriculture and Food Systems Program. Awesome. Uh, so I hear you're teaching a summer course. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Oh, absolutely. So the course is called Introduction to Agriculture and Food Systems, and it is a 200 level course that is designed to be open to everybody. Uh, students uh, from high school through um, retirement have taken this course, and uh, I seek to get you more curious about the food system. We're all a part of the food system because we eat and we're really trying to give you the story behind the food system through this course. Awesome. So can you walk me through the process developing this course? So like you said, um, we are all the food system. Um, and I mean, it sounds like you have a really diverse audience, you know, like students and um, people who've graduated and are coming back. Um, so what do you think is the, imp like, what's the most important thing that you think students get out of this course? Well, there are a lot of important things. One is they become more aware of what it takes to produce food and gain a greater appreciation of all the people who are producing food and delivering food to us. So we go from the field all the way through to food waste and everything in between. Um, what I want students to get out of the course is to be curious and that this course is a start and, a and not a destination. Um, part of my job in developing this course is to get you to ask questions and seek out answers. And so uh, one of the first questions I ask in this course is, why do you eat what you eat? And most people haven't thought about that question. So uh, by asking questions, by helping them to uh, read and listen to videos and podcasts, they're able to start to synthesize and realize the complexity of our food system. Wow, I've never thought of it like that. Like, why do I eat what I eat? I feel like it's just like it's been introduced to me as a child and, you know, like that's what I know. Um, yeah, that's actually really interesting. Wow. Huh. Yeah, like that's that's crazy. Like I, I've never thought of I've never seen it through that perspective, you know, like why do I eat like this? Like is it like health? Do I enjoy it? Is it just because that's what I've eaten since my parents are like put it in front of me, you know? Um Yeah, that's really interesting. And, and this course um talks a lot about the food system, but we also talk about agriculture agriculture more broadly and we talk about fisheries as well so we're not just land-based and what's going in your mouth um, I have one special unit that explores the global um, uh, production of t-shirts starting from a cotton field all the way through to the workers and the trade routes and the the equipment that goes through so we want again we want to surprise people and part of this course is sharing some surprises to make them rethink what they know about agriculture and food 
The other piece about this course is about sustainability. Right now, our food systems and our agricultural systems are not sustainable. They're doing damage to the planet and we need to change that. And so we start asking the question, are there examples out there where people are changing the food system and what can we learn about it? Yeah, that's really interesting. I think you you hear that that's like a big topic now indefinitely about, you know, food and there's becoming the issue of like, we're not like people are saying we're not going to have enough. And so, yeah, that's definitely something to definitely something to uh, consider. I need to be part of the solution. Exactly. And, and that and I think that's the goal of most of the faculty here is we want you to get curious. We want you to go and figure things out. We want you to explore and learn what it's going to take to think differently um, and think more broadly. Yeah, especially with something as important as, you know, food, like it's essential to it's like food, shelter, water, you know, like top three things. The other thing I will say about this summer course is now that we're a year into this pandemic, COVID-19 has disrupted global supply chains and local supply chains. And I know that people became anxious and concerned about what food was available in the grocery stores. Some people started eating more locally and going to their farmer's market. And so I think in this year, people have become more aware of food. And this course is one that will help people understand more about why there were disruptions and uh, how the food system is changing and recovering after COVID. I mean, yeah, people lost their minds when toilet paper wasn't on the shelves for, I mean, weeks at a time. And so then I remember too, like going into the store, like my local grocery store and just like things like strawberries, like they were not on the shelf, you know, and like they, like, um, like green beans and, you know, like a lot of like lettuce, like leafy products. I'm, they're still, you know, like there's a shortage right now in my grocery store too. And I would say at least like a couple of grocery stores in my area, um, And yeah, I mean, it's definitely makes you think, you know, and maybe this can be the kind of like silver lining, like, you know, before there, where there is no turning point. So yeah, definitely makes you think a little scary, but necessary. Well, we don't want you to be scared. We want you to be a part of the solution, like you said before, and the knowledge is power in this case. I think too, like the, it makes it real and that's needed if for us to find a solution, you know, like it we, it can't just be a theory. It has to be, it has to be real. And then that's, I think it's a starting point, you know? So, yeah. So how did you become interested in all of this? Like how did you get involved? My interest in the food system, uh, was always there. Um, but it became most evident to me when I started having a family, uh, When you get pregnant, you start thinking much more about the food that you eat. And then when you're responsible for feeding a newborn and a toddler, um, you start rethinking things as well. And so for me, I wanted my academic life to connect to my real life because I was finding out that people were saying, well, what should I be feeding my children? Now, I have a background. I was trained as a biochemist in plant biochemistry. Um, As an undergrad, I got really interested in how photosynthesis just made all of this happen, right? Without the energy of the sun, we wouldn't have plants. Without plants, we wouldn't have food. Um, And so I wanted to uh, think more deeply about the food system and how the world was going to feed itself. 
it was very clear to me that that was a long-term problem and a long-term question. And so um, it, around 2002, um, 2003, I started working on the beginnings of this course. And this course has gone through various iterations. Um, the current course I developed at Rutgers about six years ago, and each each semester I tweak it a little bit to be current with whatever is going on. So I've integrated COVID-19 into my course. Uh, but I, I really wanted a foundation for everybody to understand how we created the food system that we have. I'm a strong believer that we can't change a system if we don't know how we got here. So looking at the history of agriculture and food systems in the country, it's woven in here, but also we want to say, well, what are the next steps? And so by reflecting on my own interests and need and my curiosity, I've, I've put this together. And I love interdisciplinary work where you learn a little about this uh, and that, and you ask about business and you ask about biology and you ask about sociology and public health. All those things are reflected in this course. So that, that's why I say it's a course that's open to everyone. No one's going to know all of this stuff. And so it's a chance to start to broaden your interests and your knowledge. So it's, it's, been, yeah. a, it's been a journey but it's been a journey driven by my curiosity and I'm trying to share that with everybody else. That's outstanding. Yeah. I think people don't realize how interconnected it is, like how much overlap there is, you know? Um, I know in my like personal journey, I got diagnosed with a food allergy, like in my early twenties. Um, and it made, like, I had to look at every single label because I couldn't eat a lot. I couldn't eat some stuff. And so, yeah, it definitely makes you think. And then, yeah. Well, and again, uh, that, that food allergy is something that comes from my family as well. So uh, growing up, different family members couldn't eat different things because of food allergies. So food has already always been there, um, but more is something to be a little bit cautious of because it will it make you sick. And we know today in America that uh, some of the leading killers are due to foods that we're eating and the diets that we've created. So uh, my hope is that um, some people may rethink what it is that they're eating and then go pursue more nutritional information from experts like dietitians and others to help them uh, lead a healthier life as well. I also think it's interesting too how there's like all these perspectives of people in other countries in like England and South America. And they're just like, why are, why are Americans eating this? You know? And like, you get to see like, Hey, like Americans love this. And this is banned in my country. Like my government will not let me eat this. So Kylie, you've got a great question there. And so the other part of my course is that students do a research paper and they choose a, a research question that's of interest to you. So if you were in my course, I would say, is that something you wanna learn more about? And I'd say that's the great start for a research project. And uh, I would help uh, teach you where to find those resources in our library and how to use our library resources to put together an argument about whether we should be changing our food system and whether the Europeans and the UK have it right. And if so, what would that look like? And so um, I, I think it's great that you've got that question. 
I have a lot of questions about like food, you know, like. And I find that that's true of a lot of people. And I don't have all the answers, but what I want to do is help you figure out how you can find the answers and distinguish between those things that are fads or marketing and those things that are based on research and um, experimentation. I'm not looking for someone to have all the answers. I'm looking for someone to be, yes, you know, like to validate that my concern is a concern of many, not just me. And that, you know, it, it can be me, it can be Joe Schmo, you know, whoever. But then, you know, individually together, we can kind of start these conversations and look forward. Because again, like this is going to be an issue for my lifetime, for, you know, the younger generations. And so it's, I think it's very important that we have these conversations now before there's a point of no return. And I'm a member of the Institute for Food, Nutrition, and Health at Rutgers University. And our overarching goal is to create a healthy New Jersey and a healthy nation. And so, um, Uh, Again, we're biased as an educational institution. We believe that education is power, knowledge is power, and we are here to critique what is out there and not just to say, here's the only way to do it because there are many ways, but we want you to have the tools and the understanding of where to find information that you feel that you can rely on and build into your, your own lifestyle. Right, right. Uh, so how do you envision the future of sustainable agriculture, food systems, like climate change, that kind of thing? Do you have, it might not be, again, this is the one solution, but do you have I, like an ideal vision? I think what we all hope is that everyone will have access to nutritious, healthy food that's affordable and convenient. And that the farmers and the people that produce our food and um, cook our food or handle our food also have a standard of living that is uh, where they are paid a living wage. And so we wanna make sure that the, the conversation isn't just about one part of the food system, it's across a broader range. Uh, we know that more plant-based food is healthier for you and that, um, We are often eating way too much meat, for instance. Um, We are looking at fisheries and how to sustain our fisheries. Climate change is going to force fish to migrate to new areas. So we need to protect those fisheries so that they can um, produce enough fish without overfishing. So it's multifactorial. It's going to take a lot of different experimentation. It's also going to depend on Um, people being willing to try new things. You'll hear terms like regenerative agriculture. That's just a term for good agricultural practices where we, you know, protect the soil and we make sure that we value the soil where we're doing land-based growing. But I also see uh, uh, indoor cultivation, our, our, our new vertical farms and other things being integrated into the landscape. There we have a challenge that it takes lots of energy. So we got to figure out how to do it with less energy. But the nice thing about that setup is we can do it with much less water and we can get the healthier greens like hydroponics. So that you can get it closer to your house or to your departments or your grocery store. And so 
again, that convenience and that ability to move food. So you'll see more regional focus on food, but we also need resilience. When hurricanes come through and devastate an area, if they were only to rely on local food, they would have a problem. So we still need trade. We still need the ability to move food around. The other part of the future of food in my mind is that we come to value it. Right now, food is cheap. And it's so cheap that we don't worry so much when we throw food away. We need to rethink that. In every piece of food, there's water, there's energy, and there's effort. And so what I'd like to see is an improvement in our value of food. Um, and certainly there are people that don't have enough food and they're food insecure. I want to make sure that we have no food insecure people in this country as well, and that they have access to that healthy nutrition. So for me, there are multiple goals. There isn't just one single silver bullet. We need to think about a lot of our challenges and address them each individually as well. Right. Yeah. I think that's a great point. And I think all the things that you, you know, mentioned are important. And I think too, that it's a list. And I think that the, the more you check off, the easier the things at the bottom of the list will become, um, you know, cause again, it's all, it's all weaved together. So what are things that people can do now to help, uh, with climate change and reducing their carbon footprint? So climate change is going to be a part of our future and it's going to disrupt our food systems. So it's important to make some connections. Some of the food that we demand, particularly meat, has led to deforestation in different parts of the world. So one of the things that you can do is if you eat meat every day, choose a day that you don't have meat. Uh, Meatless Monday is out there. Some people have heard about that, but you don't have to choose Monday. You can choose another day of the week. But uh, start developing recipes and um, start exploring for foods that don't have meat if you haven't done that before. Uh, we know also that um, uh, plant-based foods, um, beans and rice are good substitutes, say for protein. So if you are going to reduce protein, also think about what foods you're replacing it with. It isn't about just eating pasta, for instance. As much as pasta is great, you want a variety of food. And some people talk about eating from the rainbow, having different colors of food on your plate. And so for a lot of people, you know, they're not wild about vegetables or they're not wild about certain kinds of food. And my question is, have you played around with recipes? Are there different things that you're doing? The other thing is to do a little bit more planning before you go to the grocery store. Our grocery stores are designed for a lot of impulse buying. And that means that often you come home with more food than you're going to eat. And some of that food ends up in the trash. The biggest thing that you can do is try to um, reduce the amount of food waste that you're creating. And sometimes it's, oh, I'm going off and I'm going to a restaurant. And so you have a meal at home that you didn't cook. Well, can you still cook it and freeze it? Or is there a different way that you can store it? Um, or can you eat it the next day and then put off shopping by a day? So thinking more about what you're buying the quantities you're buying. A lot of big box stores want you to buy big, big things and you eat like half of it. 
So what happens to the other half? There are places that will accept donations of different kinds of food. So can you donate it? Can you share it with a family member or a friend? Um, can you put it in the freezer until the time that you need it? Those are different things that you can do. Yeah, that's awesome. I will recommend garlic for anyone who needs a good vegetable recipe. Just put some garlic in there. Oh, and there's some fabulous garlic out there. No question about it. You know, many of us don't have good cooking skills. We didn't learn Great. the cooking skills growing up. So, you know, watch a YouTube video. Um, go do a cooking um, demonstration. Chat with people who like to cook and ask them if they can teach you, you know, some new cooking recipes. Because we all get in food ruts. Or subscribe to a magazine that has different recipes that you can try. So my advice is get a little bit more adventurous. Try different things. We tend to do it eating out. But because we've been home in the pandemic, now is a great time to build some of those cooking skills and get more adventurous about the food likes and dislikes that you may have. Yeah, I learned to cook from my grandmother, who was like amazing in the kitchen, you know? And so that's that's where I got the garlic secret. She just throws it in there. Um, and I'm like, okay. But because that's the, she cooked food that I grew up on. So I, I know that I like it. You know, I know that, you know, she's the expert in this. She's been feeding me since I was an infant. So, you know, I just went to her one day and I was like, so um, I don't really know how to cook chicken. Can you help? And also, how do you cook string beans and spinach and like this recipe you made? that's been in my family for generations. I want to know how to cook this. And she was like, okay, great. And then she would just give me like, this is what you need. And then I'd go over and we would make it together. Um, but yeah, that's how I got involved. If there's a wonderful chef in your family, seek them out, go in and spend time cooking with them. Not only will you get the food, but you understand more where it's come from. You may get family stories. There's memories associated. You were talking about, you know, you've been fed since an infant. So I'm sure there's some really wonderful food memories. And in this course, we'll ask you to think about some of those food memories as well, because they help to shape how we eat as an adult. Yeah, I mean, definitely. It definitely does. So you said that you had a huge variety of students in your course. And with that kind of variety, how do you promote good communication in a remote environment? Um, I'm teaching this course asynchronously because I want it to be compatible with people who um, may have a family at home who are working or taking other courses. So we have discussion threads where there are questions and answers and so students then respond to each other through that. I use something called Flipgrid. Flipgrid is a short videos and so that they can see each other. And it's important for me to see them as well. So the Flipgrid uh, can be recorded on your computer or your, your smartphone. And again, there's a prompt. Uh, one example is we have a food tasting and I ask students to do the food tasting and share it through Flipgrid. And so they get to choose which foods they're going to do. Um, and I want them to compare. So in the fall, I would bring in apple slices or different types of apples. Um, but I've had students do different kinds of olives, different kinds of uh, cheeses, and they share that with each other through Flipgrid. I didn't want that to be a discussion thread, for instance. Um, I have office hours and I try to set those up so people can log in and talk with me. 
Uh, so I make myself available during the summer. And if other students come in, then we can have smaller conversations. But those are optional. Um, but the, the, the discussion thread and the um, uh, Flipgrid are my main communication tools. Uh, our Canvas website has the different materials. I send out announcements. Um, but they'll, they'll see different things within our Canvas uh, site as well. I really like like it's like show and tell but you know like college level with food you know that's that's really that's like ingenious that sounds really fun because I already have a lot of opinions on cheese and olives just like the different variety of different kind but it could be any kind of fruit like citrus mm -hmm. and so have you ever seen anyone like try a grapefruit and then try a mandarin orange and then a navel orange and and maybe even try a lemon or a lime Part of the goal there is to engage all of the senses. I ask them, what does it look like? What does it taste like? What is, you know, what does the mouth feel? What are the different senses that you need to engage? But I also have them look at the packaging. And so if it comes packaged, what's on the package? Those kind of things. Amazing. Yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, it sounds like a lot of journey of discovery of food, which is great. Um, and yeah, and just sharing in general. So thank you for, you know, coming and allowing us a little in-depth look into your summer course. And yeah, thanks for, thanks for stopping by. Thank you very much for this opportunity. And um, I hope I can uh, see you or others in my class, uh, whether it's this summer or at another time down the line. Thank you. Thanks for listening. And we'll catch you next time on Extra Credit.